0: Hello once again, this is Matt Geib here with the Kingdom Corner Podcast. To open today, I'd just like to ask you all a question. For those saints of God out there that sometimes feel like they they struggle in their Christian walk, they struggle to know how to really come across and do the works of the Kingdom, do the works that God would want them to do, to be the witness that God would desire them to do, I believe today's podcast will give you a key in how to begin to do that where it won't be a struggle for you anymore as we get into Episode 3 of Filling the Earth with God's Glory. Episode 3 of Filling the Earth with God's Glory or the Glory of God. Now, in the last two episodes, these are some of the things we began to look at. We started out in Habakkuk 2, I believe it's 1 to 2, and Isaiah 6, 1 to 4, and the phrase both scriptures use there is the phrase, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. In Habakkuk, it says the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's what we've used as a premise to start with. Then we began to look at the word glory. What does glory mean? And we found out basically there are a lot of wonderful meanings like honor and reverence and goodness. But the one thing that really caught my eye was glory is not a passive word, it's an active word. It means that there's action involved and it has to do with a production or a making or a manifestation of a commodity. And that commodity is the glory or the presence of God. And we said this process begins. In the heavenly realm, when God created all the angels to praise him and to give him glory. In Isaiah, where we started out, they were in a scene where they were all praising God. And from that scene, Isaiah was commissioned to his ministry. And then from there, we began to get into the idea that this mandate of producing or making or manifesting God's glory was passed on to the saints of God. We also saw that God never works outside of or apart from his glory. There's always glory involved when the works of God or the working of God is manifested. John seven thirty seven to 39, we talked a lot about. That's a key verse that Jesus spoke prophetically of being filled with the Holy Spirit and that that would be like rivers of living water that flowed out of each person. Not a creek or a stream, but we have the potential to flow out with rivers of living water. And then the second episode, we spent a lot of time with another seer prophet like Isaiah was Ezekiel, Ezekiel 43 and 47. We read a lot about Ezekiel's temple or tabernacle, and it was all about how the water was flowing out from there. The water is a metaphor for the glory of God. You know, Habakkuk talked about the waters covering. The glory of God would cover the earth as the waters covered the sea. And we began to look at the progression. First, there was water from that temple that Ezekiel was in or saw. It was ankle deep. Then it was knee deep. And then it was to his loins. And then it was so much that he could only swim in it. He couldn't stand it anymore. And I remember relating how I had seen on TV in the last two weeks All the floods that were engulfing the city of Houston right now because of all the rain they had. And that's what it will be like, spiritually speaking, when the glory of God covers the earth. And we're in that time now where that is beginning to take place. So that is where we left off the last time. And I told for those that were with the last episode that I was going to speak to you today about being a transformer. Being a heavenly transformer on earth as it is in heaven to bring the glory of God how that works we're gonna look at that today Bill Johnson said the focus of repentance which really means it's just a change of mind is to change our way of thinking we want to change our way of thinking today that this isn't a struggle but we have the potential the living waters inside of us where we can begin to bring and flow with the glory of God in heaven from heaven to earth so I will just first say that when I first saw this, when I first began to see this about Transformers, what brought it to my mind and heart was a dream that I had. When I was preparing this study on glory filling the earth, one night in the middle of studying this, I went to bed and I had a dream. And I remember it about 30 years ago or more when my wife and I, on a summer's day, we took a day off and we went about, we lived in the Seattle area, and we went about 40 miles up into the North Cascade Mountains on a tour that Seattle City Light had of three dams that they had. And there were like three holding ponds around these rivers. And we went on that tour, and each dam was higher up in the mountains and make the connection here. Every time we saw the water in these holding ponds, it was more clear, it was clear and clearer. And they were about 80, 90 feet deep. And we even were able to take a boat ride across one, uh, to the one dam. And you could see clear down to the bottom. So the higher you, you became in the mountain, the more clear that water became. And make an application to the water being the spirit of God, and being more powerful and with more clarity. So I thought of these transformers, and along with that, these three or four scriptures came to my mind, and I'm going to read them now. There's a very interesting, powerful Greek word here that's carried in these passages, that it's mentioned four times in the scripture, and it's the only four times this Hebrew word is used. The word is, I'll tell you, is metamorphoo, or we get our word metamorphosis from it. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, well, I'll just read 2. He said, be transformed, be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good will of God, the acceptable will of God, and the perfect will of God. Be transformed, be metamorphosed, have a metamorphosis and when you're proving, the proving there is like a working out of those things. So as we're transformed by God, then those works that we do, those things that we say during the day, words of encouragement and whatever, will be good, acceptable, and perfect. Because they'll be from God. The next verse you're familiar with probably, Second Corinthians 3.18, says, We all with unveiled face... Beholding as in a mirror or a glass, the glory, remember this study is about the glory filling the earth, the glory of the Lord. We're beholding the glory of the Lord, our being what? As we behold it, transformed or metamorphosed into the same image, what? From glory to glory. Remember when I was going up in the mountains? It was going from higher pond and higher dam to the next higher, and it was, the water was clearer and clearer. So there's a progression. We go up in a progression in the glory of God. We're transformed. Then the English word changes from transformed to these next two scriptures that are really parallel scriptures in Matthew and Mark. The word used, and you all know it, is transfigured. When Jesus was transfigured. Six days later, it says in Matthew 17, 1 and 2, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, Led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured or metamorphosed before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Mark 9 1 to 8, it says, and I'll just paraphrase this a little bit or go down to the second verse here. And he was metamorphosed, that is, Jesus was metamorphosed before Peter, James, and John. His garments became Mark says, radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. In other words, whiter than any white there could be on earth. Bright light, probably blinding. It was blinding. And Peter recounts this years later. And he says kind of the same thing. He says in 2 Peter 1, 16 to 18, I'm just going to key in on the last couple verses. He was metamorphosed, or transfigured before them. His garments became radiant, exceeding white, as no launder on earth can whiten them. Sounds like he was quoting Mark. He's recalling and writing that down that he was actually there. He was a living testimony and witness of what happened to Jesus. Let's look a little bit then at this word, metamorpho. It means to change from one form to another, kind of like a butterfly. I remember a lady for her homeschool and her children, they got some cocoons and they put them in a, an aquarium. And they watched these butterflies over time, or first they were cocoons, metamorpho, or metam, met, have the metamorphosis into butterflies. And she filmed all that. And it was very interesting. That's kind of the process spiritually that's happening. And so there's a change. The metamorphosis is what we've talked about, our English word. It's a scientific word. Another scholar says it's a complete change which comes from the power of God and finds an expression in character and conduct. Morphe, which is part of the word, part of it, is the stresses on an inward change. And the next part of the word stresses the outward change and the action that takes place. Okay? And we can think of jesus there and i'm going to read a few more notes so metamorpho to change or morph into another or a different form to become altered become different to manifest something different matthew states jesus face shone like the sun his garments were like white light and then i like what mark says and peter quoted him or recalled it again talked about jesus looking exceeding white as no longer on earth could whiten the garment. I mean, it was blinding. The scholar Weis says of the transfiguration, this is a Greek word derived of two words. The first refers to an outward expression one gives to what his innermost nature or being is inside of him, a change of activity. The phrase should or could be translated, his mode of expression was changed before them, from something on the outward to a true authentic showing of what was on the inward. I like to say, this is me, an outward expression of Jesus' true inward nature was being manifested before them. And that's the key, that's the key. We talked about the question at the beginning of the show here. That's the key to walking in a victorious Christian life and being the testimony and the witness that Jesus would want us to be. So that's how, and we're going to get into this more of how we really let that true godly nature out inside of us. Of course, it's tied to John 7:37 to 39. You have the spirit inside of you. We're not to let it out like a crick or a stream, but we're to bust those dams wide open. Remember the hydroelectric power dam? And then that power is churned up inside of us, and then good things begin to happen. Good works is what we're going to talk about next. And transformation of the glory of God through us as the vessel will turn into a tangible commodity. And that's what we're going to get to now. We're not talking about something you do in your flesh or or works that you're trying to accomplish. We're talking about doing the works of the glory of God that's inspired by his glory flowing through us, much the same way water flows through a transformer. And what comes out of that? Well, we're going to get into this. Light is produced, That and electricity was produced. And I was told on that tour that it took care of covering 80% of the city of Seattle, those three dams, by the water and the power that came through those transformers. And so that's our first scripture. Let's look at our first scripture when we're talking about doing good works produced by glory. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Remember, light, transformer, water. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No one puts a light and a lamp under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Matthew five sixteen. the end of the passage here. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. You'll do good works. And then what will happen? They will glorify the Father who is in heaven. Remember, our tagline for our episode, our message, our our series is filling the earth with God's glory. Good works that are inspired by the glory of God will bring him further glory. Our model, of course, is Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about, what did he do? He went about doing good. And, and he didn't just, wasn't just a good guy saying nice things to people. Out of that came good works. And it says the rest of the verse, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now let's uh, hone in on this. Doing the good works increases God's glory. We're going to see this in scripture. I want to read this scripture that I just, I came upon. And then we'll read some more scriptures too. In Matthew 15, 29 to 31. I love this scripture. Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee. And having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. Large crowds came to him, bringing with him those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. He did all those wonderful miracles and it brought glory to the Father. They heard about him. They came from miles around. And the glory of God was just multiplied. Let's read some other passages that will really nail this point. The next one I have is Mark 2, 1 to 12. And I'm just going to paraphrase these. Mark 2, 1 to 12. A man was lowered through the roof of a house. They broke up the ceiling. The roof, he was lowered down because he was crippled to Jesus who was teaching down there. Jesus healed him and the crowd was amazed and they glorified. God. The next one, Luke four, thirteen to fifteen. He, Jesus, taught in their synagogues, and the people were in awe and they glorified God. Luke seven, twelve to sixteen. A dead man was raised, fear and awe came on everyone, and they glorified God. Luke seventeen, eleven to fifteen. Ten lepers were healed. One turned back. Jesus said, where are the others? He said, I don't know. I alone have come back. And he said, Jesus, to him, this day your faith has made you whole. You are saved and healed. And the man with a loud voice then glorified God. Luke 11, read that whole chapter. It's all about the situation where Lazarus was brought back to life. Even before Jesus got there, one of the sisters came to him, and he said, because they knew, he said, our brother is sick. And Jesus said, that's okay. This is for the glory of God. This is that the Son of Man might be glorified. And so by now you're getting the idea that these works, inspired by the Spirit and the presence of God that comes into us, through the Spirit of God, and then the works flow back out of us, glorify God. I mean, if you're seeing people do a lot of what we think are neat things, and, uh, you know, this guy's teaching on that, and this person healed that person, and all this, and they're always talking about the man or the woman, I would question whether it was really from God. Because true works done from God will glorify Him. God never works, like I said, or acts outside or apart from his glory. There's a lot like with Moses and Jamboree and all those people where Moses was being challenged, you know, by Pharaoh's wise men. They did works too. They did miracles too. There is a difference. The miracles of God bring glory to his name. We will do the works that will glorify and increase his glory and kingdom on earth. That's what we're coming down to in this In this series, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. The duty, the mandate has been turned over to his sons and daughters to do the works that will glorify and increase his glory and kingdom on earth. Uh, Listen to what John says. John 14. I'm going to just read verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of why? The works that I do. In other words, they point to the Father. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works, more works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so, so why the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What comes first, I ask here. Uh, I just pose this question to myself. The glory or the good works? Well, the glory. We have to have the Spirit of God unctioning us, impressing upon us, flowing through us like a river. And then the good works will flow out of that. One more scripture that I wanted to read. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. We probably all know this passage, but a lot of Christians stop at verse 8 and 9. Read verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Some translations say we are his poem or his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Good works. These are the works when we're created in Christ Jesus that will bring him glory. That's what I'm talking about today. And that's what we're meant to do as sons and daughters of the Most High. Now, that brings us to the end of this series, I believe, filling the earth with the glory of God. I'll just bring you one more point, and that is this. I want to read, and this is from Romans 8, 18-24. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's talking about the church. For the anxious longing of the creation waits for the revealing. He's talking about the sons of God. Revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And that's what he's talking about. Revealing to bring forth glory like we've been talking about. For the creation was subject to futility, meaning that sin entered the world after Adam and Eve's sin, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption. How? Into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The glory covering the earth will bring a new heaven and new earth eventually, will bring freedom to all of God's sons and daughters. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together till now. There's a whole message I heard preached about how all the disasters like tsunamis and earthquakes and these kind of things and bad weather is really the earth groaning for redemption. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, John 7, 37 to 39, you know, the rivers of living water. We have the fruits, first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting it eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is not seen is not hope. For one who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. I'm going to say the last point here is, is God is calling us to groan for glory or intercede for glory. The groan here, I believe it talk is speaking of praying in the spirit. When you're, when you're praying in the spirit, in unknown prayer language of tongues, you're praying a language that you bypasses your understanding. It touches the deep heart of God. That flows out of you into what he wants to bring. To groan here means to painfully long and cry out for Doesn't that sound like intercession? We're painfully longing and crying out for the glory of God to cover the earth, are we not? It also means union. Aren't we wanting to see things unified? Aren't we wanting to see the world made whole, new heavens and new earth? Aren't we wanting to see the union between the bride of Christ and Jesus and to see things set in order? When we, brethren, when we begin to fill the earth with God's glory, we will see things set in order. We will see redemption. We will see righteousness. We will see a land filled with right order and people treated rightly by the law. And we will see righteousness. So that, my friends, is for today, the end of filling the earth with the glory of God. Next week, I want to begin to really get into This is the Kingdom Corner, studying the Kingdom of God and really begin to look into where that's mentioned in Scripture. I'm going to go back to our verse in Psalm 145, where I talked about, I believe last episode, that that was my theme verse for the Kingdom Corner. I'll touch on that again here, just a couple phrases Verse 11, 145, 11 of Psalms, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. We will make known, verse 12, to the sons of men, that's what we've been talking about today, your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. Let's go into that verse next week. Come back and let's really dissect that verse and really look into what it means. Thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Thank you for being here. Please subscribe to this podcast, the Kingdom Corner. You can do that by going to iTunes and punching the subscribe button or Google Play and doing the same thing. I'm so appreciative that you were able to join me today on the Kingdom Corner. Remember to let God's glory out. Let it flow through you and these works of the kingdom will come naturally. Take care.